Maryland made on me, Maryland made on three. One, two, three. Maryland, Maryland made. made. Welcome back to the Maryland Made Podcast. Uh, Tim Bryson here, and we are very excited to kick off episode five, which will be focused on alumni engagement. Uh, we have a very esteemed guest uh, on today's episode, a Maryland alum, 1996. Um, so it's a special year, special anniversary year for his graduation class. Uh, without further ado, I want to introduce you all to Tyrone Brooks. Tyrone, how are you doing today? I'm great, Tim. Great. Glad to be here with you. Uh, really excited to be a part of this podcast with you. And uh, you've been making such a great impact so far. And I'm, I'm glad to share a little bit about my story and uh, my chances to have an opportunity to, to talk with the Maryland community. Listen, we're glad you're here. Um, we're super glad you're here. And I, I was thinking back on the way to work today. And I was like, yo, like me and Tyrone have been connected now for almost two years. Which is like mind blowing to think about because <laughs> I reached out to you on LinkedIn and you actually responded. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh snap!" You, you remember that? Yeah, yeah. It, it's crazy. And then uh, didn't have a chance to come on campus and be there with you. Uh, yeah. Prior to, to COVID and have a chance to talk to some of the students back in in the fall of uh, it's fall nineteen. So fall nineteen. Really, yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, of course, this podcast wouldn't be anything without um, bringing on alum, right? Alum who have done great work within the community and honestly, just um, the world. Um, but before we jump into anything, you know, professional related, career related, we'd just love to learn more about your story, right? So hometown, maybe siblings, uh, why you chose Maryland. So Tyrone, like, you know, what's your story? Yeah, Tim, good question. You know, uh, for me, I grew up uh, in Glen Burnie, Maryland, right outside of Baltimore. Uh, you know, for me as a kid growing up, you know, watching Maryland athletics was something that was just ingrained in my family, uh, me and my dad used to sit and watch Maryland basketball games, watching Lynn Bias, Adrian Branch, you know, during that era, watching individuals. And, uh, and for me, you know, Maryland became such a, a big part of, hey, I want to be a part of that one day in some way, somehow. Uh, and for me, you know, as a kid, uh, athletics was always important in my entire family, you know, myself and my brother. Uh, both playing in the backyard when I first started playing baseball and football and then playing organized ball. And then, you know, for baseball and just, and just sports in general was always something that was, I knew I wanted to make it part of my life. And, uh, you know, for me, it's funny. I think back to the first time I went to uh, my first Orioles game as a kid, I was a big Orioles fan and my favorite player of all time to this day is still Eddie Murray. Uh, the Hall of Famer with the Orioles first baseman. And, you know, I think back to even my first experiences going to that ballpark and it, some of that, just that one experience, the very beginning, it's resonated to, to the work I do now because, you know, coming into that ballpark and going into Memorial Stadium with my dad, my mom and my father, uh, I mean, with my, with my, my mom, uh, myself and my brother, uh, it just just seeing individuals on the field that looked like me and having that, seeing that representation, that meant so much to me. And it wanted, it just, and that's, I think one thing that we're trying to continue to strive to do with as a league here at MLB is have kids be able to see themselves reflected out there on the field. Uh, and also what we're trying to do as far as seeing yourself reflected in ownership and those that are the managers on the field, uh, and the general managers, you know, that all plays an important role. But it was that that little seed there that was planted as a kid was so important to me. And uh, for me, that just made it, hey, I want to do this 
I want to play the game, hopefully as long as I as I could. Uh, just had a chance to to, but that first impact of being there was something that was important to me. And uh, you know, from that having a chance to come to Maryland, uh, it was something that for me it was. Uh, my dad's actually a, a proud University of Maryland Eastern Shore alum. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he tried to sell me a little bit on there, but. Uh, decided to go there to College Park. And, you know, for me, it was just amazing just being on the campus for the first time, really like seeing everything and experiencing it all. Uh, and once once there, it was like, you know what, this is, you know, this is just an opportunity to, to continue to be in this whole melting pot that we have there on campus there in College Park. And, and uh, for me, that was just something that just started that love of, hey, this is just a great atmosphere, great environment for anybody to be a part of. And I uh, was just glad to have an amazing experience there for five years on the campus. You know, and a, a big part of Maryland athletics played a, a big role in that, actually, because I had a chance to be a photographer for both the, the Diamondback and the Terrapin yearbook. And in addition to being a, an accounting and marketing double major in the Smith School of Business, the, it was nice to have this little diversion with having uh, Maryland athletics and what I was doing, primarily covering athletics as a photographer and getting a chance to cover football and basketball, pretty much every sport there in Maryland. So seeing, you know, when I first got there, seeing Walt Williams and seeing him, his greatness, that who he was as a player there as a, at Maryland before he went to the NBA, then later Joe Smith and, and, and following the team on for the NCAA tournament in uh, different places, uh, but also just all the different components, whether it was lacrosse or soccer, field hockey, you name it, I covered it and had a chance to experience it all and just see the, the, the tremendous athletes and that we were able to be able to produce as a university. But uh, first and foremost, them as who they were developed as people. And, uh, you know, just having that opportunity was something that was pretty important to me uh, and something that I all truly cherish. No, I appreciate you sharing uh, your story with us. He's part of the story um, that you decided to share today with us, given that, again, your experience at Maryland uh, dates back to the early 90s. Um, and so the, for those who are uh, graduating in the 90s, then they may have recognized those names. For those who are currently in school or graduating in the 2010s, like myself, you know, we had to do some more research, you know, to go back and dig deep um, to see, like, you know, who was who was on, uh, who was elite, right, at Maryland? Who was leading the way at Maryland uh, before the current athletes we have competing today? Uh, but I want to take us back to 1991. Um, and just think about like, what was one of your favorite memories um, as an undergraduate student at College Park? Actually, really one of my, one of my favorite memories truly of that time there was, it's actually just, I, I lived in uh, several different uh, dorms there on the whole time I was at Maryland. I was there for five years and I lived in dorms each year. And uh, we had an, uh, I lived in Prince George's Hall, uh, during the course of my last year at Maryland. And, uh, but also even prior to that, we, we had, we had one year where we had a, I, I lived in Somerset, which was a co-ed dorm. And that was just an amazing experience just having both other, having other uh, guys, but also having women and just how we were all able to interact and have fun together uh, and enjoy the, the time we had. But during the course of my time living in that building in that dorm for two years, we actually had a, a huge snowstorm actually hit the campus. Uh, actually, literally right when 
we were going through, uh, it was Martin Luther King holiday weekend and we were all getting back onto campus after, uh, from the holiday, holiday, holiday break basically also. Yeah. And, uh, the funny thing was the storm hit literally right before the first day of classes to start the second semester. And literally when that happened, it basically shut down everything. And we hadn't, and we hadn't even gotten into seeing a syllabus for your classes or anything. So we really had free time and literally it, it just happened where it was like each day they were trying to take it day by day. Okay. The school is going to be closed today. And then this is like Tuesday, then it's going to be closed again on Wednesday. Then it just, then it just called off the whole entire week. <laughs> <laughs> it was just an amazing experience for everybody that was on campus. And because you, you had nothing, you had no assignments at that time to even do. So it was just something that we all just, uh, just had a great time hanging around the campus and uh, going from dorm to dorm, having fun, uh, <laughs> It was just an amazing, that for me was such a memorable time. <laughs> no, I'm laughing because if that happened, you know, in 2021, there'd be a lot of students making TikTok videos. Uh, <laughs> right. But I would assume I didn't have TikTok, well, I know y'all didn't have TikTok or Twitter or Instagram. <laughs> um, so I hope you were able to document some of those memories, um, you know, back then. But I want to take us forward a little bit because uh, you are involved with the therapy in your book. Uh, you were involved with the Diamondback, of course. Um, then after graduation, you found your way to the Atlanta Braves. So talk to us more about your experience, you know, graduating and then starting your career um, as a baseball operations training and intern with the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, Tim, when it, it all really, when it started uh, as, a, as, an, as an accounting and, and marketing double major, you know, I initially was thinking about, you know, going down the accounting route. And I added marketing as a second major just to give myself some flexibility because I really wasn't sure if I truly wanted to get into the accounting side. I was also doing my photography stuff there with the Diamondback and with the, the yearbook. And I was thinking about the possibility of maybe going professional to do that. Mm. But for me, it, was, it all came down to, you know what? I've got to do something in sports somehow. Like I've got to make sure I do that. And as I was going through the fall of my last year, I was, I was uh, in the process. I was interviewing for different jobs. Uh, and a lot of it, a lot of them at that time were, were not really sports related. So then during the course of Christmas break, uh, going into my last semester, I, I happened to stumble upon a book called the Internship Bible. Mm -hmm. And the Internship Bible actually still still is in existence. It's now in about its 10th edition. And uh, when I saw it, it had information about different Fortune 500 companies, their internship programs, but they also had a small section on sports teams. And that's where I saw the Atlanta Braves had a program called the Career Initiative Program that was developed by Hank Aaron, the Hall of Famer, and uh, who recently passed away not too long ago, earlier this year, yeah. and Stan Kasten, who was at the time the president of the Braves. He's now the president and CEO of the Dodgers. And when I saw this information that they had about this internship program, it was like all of a sudden, like the, the light switch came on and realizing, like, hey, this is what I have to do. And I immediately applied uh, and the funny thing was to try to make my application just kind of stand out. I actually sent some of my photographs with my resume and all the other documents that they wanted as part of it. You know, just a, several photos from some basketball, a little bit of baseball, yeah. some different things, just to kind of mix it in there. And so then I went through, uh, they immediately got back to me. And I went through several 
phone interviews. And that was a funny year. That was 1996, the spring of that year. And because of the Olympics getting, getting ready to be set up in Atlanta, they actually were not flying people down to Atlanta to do any interviews. So we did it all over the phone. Wow. And uh, as I was going through having this, this couple of discussions, I remember vividly the very first question they asked me was, tell me, every, tell me everything you know about the Atlanta Braves. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was fully, fully prepared. I was fully ready. It literally had to like shut me up because I knew but actually it was a question that truly would help that actually weed out some people if they hadn't done their research on the organization. But they, uh, we went through several, several phone interviews. They offered me the opportunity to come aboard as a career initiative uh, trainee in the baseball operations department, literally a month before graduation. And, you know, I was like, wow, I can't believe I have this opportunity. And, you know, at the time I thought truly I was going to probably stay close to home and have a chance to be home, save a little extra money, and uh, hopefully find something. But here was an opportunity I had to, I had to jump for. And uh, I remember also kind of in a sort of a little of a panic, kind of figure out, okay, where am I going to live, you know, in Atlanta? I don't – I'm sorry, who do I really know down there? Where, can I, where am I going to stay? And uh, fortunately, I had a cousin who still lives in Atlanta to this day, that he allowed me to come down and basically sleep on his couch <laughs> just, just, just to get started. Uh, and remember, this was a, truly an internship at that time for $6 an hour. And uh, I can, I remember also, I remember on graduation day, we we're all lined up uh, about to go into at the time Coalfield house for the, was, where the graduation was going to be held. And we're all lined up actually at bird stadium uh, there at the time, and I hear everybody talking about, hey, I'm going in this job, that job, you know, making this much money, that much money. And I'm like, well, thinking to myself, well, I'm only making $6 an hour, but I'm proud of this opportunity. I'm going to have a chance to get started. And uh, when graduation day happens, two days later, I'm on the road driving to Atlanta to get started with this opportunity. And uh, <laughs> funny, funny, quick story. On my very first day, I, uh, this is before we had cell phones or our GPSs and everything. And I literally got lost trying to find Fulton County stadium. I thought I had it mapped out on like map quest or something beforehand. And I'm, I'm driving and I literally got off one exit too soon. And I ended up uh, over near Clark Atlanta and Morris Brown and, and, and Spelman <laughs> and Morehouse over there in the AUC and uh, where all the colleges are all located primarily right there. And before you know it, I was just like all turned around. And then I was over by the Georgia Dome. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, thankfully, I eventually found my way there. I was a little bit late that very first day, but nobody noticed. So thankfully, one of the other interns also came in at the same exact time. And I realized okay, I'm not the, I'm not the last person getting here. <laughs> but thankfully, nobody, nobody uh, figured it out. But it was just a chance to get started, you know, just something that it was a chance from the ground up to learn fully how an organization operates from a baseball operation standpoint. Also the general manager of the Atlanta Braves who was there for many, many years, John Shirls, uh, the very first day we had a whole debate about who was better Towson university <laughs> or, or Maryland. So the whole running thing we had going on during the course of that very first day, <laughs> but it was a chance to just get started. And, uh, you know, one coming into an organization that had already had a great track record in terms of history. And they had been in the World Series in 91 and 92 and then and then 95 winning it all. 
in the hair I was in 1996, getting there and just to be a part of just trying to fit into that the cog of what the organization was and, and trying to really be just do everything I could to try to one knowing I only had three months to prove myself. And that was a big thing. So I had to really look at, Hey, what can I do now to have an impact immediately? You know, what I can ask questions, what I can do to help and contribute in any way. And you know, thankfully a month and a half into the internship, kind of the right place, right time, a job open to me, be hired to be hired full-time within the department. And, uh, and that was the start of it to get started. And, you know, and one thing I, I tell anybody is you always need to have goals for yourself and start thinking about, you know, what are things in the short term, what things in the long term that I really want to do. And, uh, you know, I told myself, you know, and maybe I was a little naive at the time, but I told myself, Hey, I want to be a general manager by the time I'm 37, which is going to be 15 years from that point. So for me, it was something that I needed for myself to just keep pushing myself, but also having these little short-term goals for myself as well. And, uh, you know, as I got closer and closer toward that in my career, toward that time period, I realized it was more about, am I doing something that I love to do? Do I feel valued by the individuals I work with? And also, am I doing something that is truly having an, an impact on what we're doing as an organization? And if I could just keep continuing to grow and develop personally and then have an impact, hey, then I'm going to be fine as far as the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, realizing, hey, there's only 30 of those jobs out there. It's yep. very difficult. Uh, I've been very fortunate later on to have a chance to interview twice to be a general manager, uh, once with the Milwaukee Brewers uh, back in 2015. And then uh, my actually, the craziest thing was 2018, having a chance to interview with the Orioles, you know, my hometown team that I grew up for. And to have a chance to go through that experience was pretty amazing. Uh, unfortunately, it did not work out, but. I learned a lot from each experience and uh, now, you know, my story and what I've been able to do. Uh, I think a lot of it resonates with the people I get a chance to talk with now on a daily basis. And, you know, I've gone through the different ranks of starting as an intern, making my, my, my way into it as an entry level employee and then developing to, into leadership roles, you know, having a chance to uh, be a scout. I was a scout for a number of years with Atlanta and, and, and Cleveland. Uh, before going back into a front office with the Pirates for six years with them. And it's just something that, you know, when you have a chance to have those different experiences, you have a chance to help spread wisdom and help individuals that are trying to make their way. And that's something that for me, I've always been dedicated to helping individuals to make sure they uh, know that, Hey, I'm here to help and assist you. And uh, you know, now I get a chance because of the opportunity that was created by Hank for me. Now I get a chance to have a bigger impact on what we're doing completely as a whole in major league baseball. Yo, Tyrone, um, I'm apologizing in advance for the number of people that's going to hit you up after this interview and just, learn, <laughs> and just try to pick your brain and learn, learn more about your story. Because we can literally talk for hours just about uh, not just your, your time with the Braves, which you know, expanded a, a decade, which is an extremely long time. Um, but honestly, this, this journey towards a uh, general manager, right, being a general manager in Major League Baseball. Um, but thinking back to your time with Atlanta and then, of course, with Cleveland and the Pirates, like what attracted you, like what made you want to be a GM, right? Because you had mentioned you know, representation in the field, you know, seeing ourselves um, in ownership and management. Um, but like, what about being a general manager um, attracted you? I think it was just for me, it was just, you know, wanting to have that opportunity to to try to build a team and also just have a chance to, to win, you know, just it, for me, it was something that I saw, uh, 
one, I was around greatness when I was with Atlanta and the individuals I had a chance to work with on a daily basis in and out. So it was something that, Hey, it made me want to dream for myself. And, uh, you know, it's something unfortunately hasn't come true, but I, I know definitely I'm in the midst of helping others who are going to also have that chance potentially down the road. But for me, it was something that I thought, you know, if I can, you know, I had some really good mentors along the way, and that's something that I, I would definitely encourage anyone and stress for anyone is to try to find good people that really want to be a part of your own existence within the work environment. They want to see you do well. Uh, and I had, I had some really good mentors early on in my career that really helped pro propel me along the way. Uh, in some situations, uh, one person I met with, it was very early in my career. He had been with the Braves and had went to another team, but he sat down with me when he came back in town for a series in Atlanta. And he was telling me at that time, you know, if you can understand how the rules of the game fully operate you know, in terms of the contract side, uh, the operational aspects of it, in addition to being able to identify and evaluate a player, that was tremendous. And you'll always be in demand in the game. And it made me really look at what can I do to keep developing myself along the way? And I think for anybody that's making their way in, you need to look at, hey, what about my existing skills that I do have in the talents I have? You know, what can I do? What areas do I need to maybe possibly strengthen further? And that's where I, taking that perspective, understanding what things am I good at, what things are maybe a little bit lesser strength that I can continue to develop. And then from there, putting yourself on that pathway. But also you got to realize you can't do this by yourself. You know, you're not going to be, and that's where there's a lot of other people that are willing to be a part of this journey with you. Uh, but it's something that you have to make it a point to be proactive, to reach out, talk to people, stay connected. And that's where you'll also realize, like sports in almost any industry, networking is so huge. So you have to continue to keep networking. Uh, and it's something that you've got to make sure it's genuine and authentic in terms of how you go about doing this. Uh, but it's something that for me, I learned a lot of that, especially early on in my career. Uh, and that's where I'm thankful for that. But I'm also thankful for even my time being at Maryland. It really helped me to really grow out of my own little personal shell. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that exposure to so many different people from all over the country, from all different walks of life, helped me to put myself on this pathway. Yeah, most definitely. And we'll get to your current role in just a second. Um, but one of the common themes uh, so far in our conversation has been about mentorship. Um, it's been about connection been about exposure and opportunity. Um, you created a network, uh, the Baseball Industry Network in 2009 uh, to help grow the game, to help connect people, to help organic, um, you know, facilitate organic mentorship. And then the group now holds over 34,000 members on LinkedIn. I'm sure the numbers continue to grow. So talk to us more about, you know, why you created the network and what was your initial purpose when doing so? Yeah, Tim, you know, when I look at the Baseball Industry Network, it was really about I was time I was living in San Francisco, which is always a big incubator for, you know, different ideas and thoughts. Yeah. And I just happened to be at the time I just started to get on to LinkedIn as a, as a tool and utilizing it. And I happened to notice there was, you know, a lot of baseball people on there, but they were all just kind of scattered throughout. Mm -hmm. And there were a couple of smaller groups that have been created, but I felt like, you know what, I know I can do it better. And so I, I came about the thought, let me, one, I want to help bring people together that are already in the baseball community. But then I also wanted to make sure that we didn't lose sight of what about 
individuals that are trying to get, also follow maybe in my pathway or make their way in. And that for me, that was a big part. I wanted to make sure that was a huge element. And with that, it was just understanding that, you know, what can I do to try to help somebody get maybe one step closer to where they want to go and making that uh, a vital element of it. But also realizing, hey, here's a chance for us to connect, you know, virtually on say a platform like LinkedIn, but also now let's have a chance to maybe further engage in person when we can. And that's where I started creating different events during the course of that time, uh, whether during the course of the baseball winter meetings or mm. other, other areas, but also right around that time as well, it allowed me to re-engage with Maryland and the Smith School of Business actually. And it gave me a chance to also uh, bring together folks that are in the DC, Baltimore area, different sports industries within baseball, whether the Bowie Bay Sox or, um, or the Washington Nationals or the Orioles. And that was something that I was able to do, thankfully, through working with individuals at the Smith School. Uh, actually, one of my former advisors I had during the course of my time there uh, in Maryland, uh, Brian Hork, who is now one of the assistant deans in the Smith School. He actually still there at Maryland. And uh -huh. you know, we stayed, we've stayed in touch over the years. And when I reached out to him, you know, they were fully on board with the idea and embraced me coming back. And it kind of gets back into the whole, the alumni engagement yeah. <laughs> element of it and getting a chance to bring students together uh, with the chance to, hey, here's a chance to connect with people that are interested in you, that want to see you do well, and also want to help provide some education for you to let you know what pathway is available to you and also give you some areas on what steps you need to take to put yourself in a position to get into it. Wow. And so what's been the most surprising thing about the network over the last now 12 years uh, that you've either found or experienced? The, the amazing thing is just seeing all the people that have been able to, uh, one, continue to grow and get into get to the, get into the industry and get jobs in different areas, but also being willing to also give back and share with others, share their story, but also willing to pull somebody with them along the way on that journey. That's awesome. That's super awesome. And so I want to take us uh, to current day, at least present day, um, where you currently serve as a senior director for front office and field staff diversity pipeline program. Now, I want to set us up by talking a lot about like the pipeline, right? I think there's been a lot of conversation, uh, not just, of course, in Major League Baseball, but the NFL, NBA a little bit, um, but obviously college athletics as well, right? Like, what is the pipeline? How does someone know they're in the pipeline? But you have pipeline program in your um, official title. So talk to us more about how did you even get into this role? Like who identified this to be a need? <laughs> like how did Major League Baseball, yeah. you know, you know, fund this? Um, but also like what what are your responsibilities? Yeah, so it, it initially started when I, you know, I wasn't really, it wasn't on my, it wasn't on my radar originally. It was something sure. where I had actually gone about, I just interviewed for the, the Milwaukee Brewers GM job and uh, I unfortunately didn't get it, but the owner of the Brewers, Mark Antanasio, actually talked to the commissioner, Commissioner Rob Manford. Yep. And from there, Commissioner Manford was already in the midst of trying to put together the uh, diversity pipeline program. And once I kind of, I guess, sort of Antanasio talking to Commissioner Manfred, it all kind of all of a sudden came about to me. They, asked, they reached out to me as a whole about being a part of, uh, we have a technically a board of uh, different executives and some managers that are also part of kind of helping guide the program. So they reached out to me about doing that. But the funny thing was 
as I started to learn further, as we were getting ready to start having our first meetings, I realized they also were looking for somebody to run the program on a day-to-day basis. Mm. And when I saw that, it was something that, you know, I was like, Hey, this is something I I can't, I've got to put myself in the mix for this. (laughs) And it was something that, you know, personally, Hank Aaron opened the door for me, you know, what can I do to help hopefully open up doors for others throughout the whole entire league? And, you know, for me, I was thinking about, you know, what I truly want my legacy to be. Hey, what was I doing to help others? I was already informally doing it through the baseball industry network and the work that we've done there. And they recognized it also. And it was something that here was a chance to start something from scratch and build out this program. And, uh, you know, thanks to many different people, Commissioner Manfred, uh, Dan Halem, who's our deputy commissioner, uh, Paul Mifsud, somebody I work with as well, who's one of our VPs within our uh, organization as well. It was something that it was a chance to truly try to build something out completely, you know, from an organic standpoint and, and look at, you know, what areas, these different points of entry that understanding those different elements, whether internships, part-time positions, and then obviously full-time roles, mm-hmm. looking at all those different elements, but also looking at how we can engage and help the league as a, as a, as a whole, you know, there are 30 clubs helping them find talent, helping them identify talent, uh, but also looking at how can we create more opportunity? You know, an opportunity was created by the Braves to allow me to get in the door. Sure. How can we work closely with our teams to make sure we're creating more opportunity? Uh, and, and as part of that, you know, in the program so far, we've been basically, this is uh, the start of year six for me within the commissioner's office. And we've been involved in assisting in over 250 plus hires wow. through the program. Wow. And, uh, you know, with that, it's just really us working together as a whole, uh, helping to do this together, truly. Uh, part of that, part of that, we also, we created what's called the diversity fellowship program. And this is something that, uh, you know, we really, when we came in and we looked at each club and looked at the league as a whole, we realized we needed to create, we had to be really intentional and very purposeful in creating this program to get somebody fully embedded within the front office. Cause it sometimes can be a little bit difficult in terms of creating an opportunity where somebody can get that chance to be working closely with the GM, assistant GMs, you know, director of baseball operations. So we had to be purposeful in doing that. And with that, it's, it's basically, we created a, an opportunity that is at least 18 months as far as giving you a really extensive time period to work closely for somebody that can transition right out of college, right into this program. And, uh, and also those that are also within recent several years of graduation, giving you a chance to develop skills, network, be fully embedded there, uh, have a chance to make an impact, but also knowing you have a cohort of others that are also there with you that are in it together as well. And uh, we're, we're now in our second class of the program right now, the very first class, which we knew was going to be something that was going to be key was that first class did extremely well. We had 22 fellows in the very first class that was selected back in 2018, wow. 22 fellows, 17 of those got hired in full-time roles beyond the scope of the fellowship. And that was just huge for them. And just, they, they've done a wonderful job and they're continuing to advance and develop with their, with their teams. And then now we have a second class right now that is in the midst uh, where now we have 18 fellows from that group right now that are making their way. And then as we get ready for the fall of 21, and let all of you know, uh, be ready. We're going to be getting ready for our next class. So I definitely want to let everyone in, within the Maryland community and throughout the world and throughout, throughout the industry and throughout the you know, schools and universities that in the fall of 21, we'll be starting our next cycle 
to hire the next group of fellows that will have a chance to have an impact, uh, both at our league office and also within the 30 clubs. So uh, something to keep, keep in mind coming up. But it's something that is truly, you know, the one great thing also is seeing individuals from, say, HBCUs get a chance to get opportunities mm-hmm. as well. Seeing a lot of women that are very talented, uh, definitely, you know, data and analytics become a bigger and bigger part of, of our game. Uh, and there's a lot of talented women that have been able to come in also through this program. We currently have in our current class, we have half our class that are actually women, which is sure. really, really tremendous. And to see so many talented individuals that are coming in uh, that are very technically proficient, uh, in addition to having feel and understanding for the game of baseball, which is really, really exciting. And uh, we're just glad to keep pushing this forward and definitely wanting to make sure that persons of color and women know, hey, there's a place for you in our game. That's awesome. And I'll be sure to link uh, the Diversity Fellowship Program in the um, description of this podcast for people to learn more about uh, that program. Um, but as I mentioned, when we first started, right, uh, we focusing and want to center conversation on alumni engagement. Um, you mentioned it several times throughout our conversation today about how you, you know, continue to reach back into the Smith School, invest back into the Maryland community, uh, which is more than just the physical campus. Um, and so, you know, what does being an engaged alumni mean to you, especially given your role now at Major League Baseball? Yeah, it, it's funny. It's, it's taken on a lot of different roles over the, over the years. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, within the Smith School that I've done a lot of work with over the years. Uh, there's some of the different mentorship opportunities that's have been able to take place. Actually, uh, it's funny, former NFL player Josh Wilson, uh, mm-hmm. who played there in Maryland, uh, he was actually one of my uh, mentees years ago that I had a chance to have a chance to spend time with and, and talk. Uh, and just and, and a bunch of others that have all had a chance to, to engage over the years. But, uh, you know, the events I was doing with the baseball industry network that we would do at Maryland pretty much what we did on, a, on an annual basis from about 2010 to 2015 was really, really exciting. Uh, but then also uh, even during the course of now with, with what we went through with the pandemic and then even through the present day, uh, I've had a chance even just in the last several months to really engage further within the Smith school. Uh, and thanks, thanks to the Dean Mullins uh, there within the business school, uh, but also it's given me a chance to I've gotten back in the classroom on several different occasions. It's, it's been really exciting just to talk to talk to students and just hear how much they're passionate about getting into the industry, but also just the, the lessons that can be truly transferred to individuals. So you can kind of understand what maybe what mistakes I've made or what good decisions I've made along the way. Uh, but something that I've, I've really tried to embrace uh, with these opportunities and being able to tell them about my story, but also hearing about what they're passionate about and how I can direct them. And also looking at the different ways that we can be a resource as far as, you know, looking at your resume mm-hmm. uh, and trying to help connect with other, other, other people that are in the industry and continue to build that mentorship aspect of it has been something that's been very relevant and I thought very helpful. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to even coming up in the fall, to have more opportunities to engage uh, in whether it's virtual or in person, you know, for me, I'm, I'm only a three hour drive away. You know, I'm based in Pittsburgh primarily. So it's just something that literally I can, I can get back there within a three to four hour range easily, but also just now with so much being available virtually now via zoom and other, other, other resources, it makes it that much easier for us to, to continually engage. And it's, it's just a great chance for us to do that and have an even bigger impact. Or student athletes and just students in general. 
That's amazing. Yeah, we're definitely going to uh, continue to engage with you um, and bring you back as we're starting a sport management term student organization. Um, and so this is a student athlete driven organization that's helping students, you know, want to that want to work in sports um, matriculate into the collegiate or professional athletic settings. And so um, we'll definitely be bringing you back to for programming, but also mentorship of our current student athletes because there's many that want to learn uh, both from you uh, and with you as well. Um, but as we close today, I just have a couple uh, quick questions that I want to make sure we get answered uh, for people who may be listening. So first and foremost, again, you work for Major League Baseball. Uh, you've been a scout. You traveled across the country. But what's your favorite Major League Baseball stadium? Ooh, good question. And uh, why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> 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 now, for me, uh, definitely, you know, PNC Park in Pittsburgh is – truly uh you know really been one of my favorites and once i got started working for the pirates just being there seeing the view uh right there on the water uh, in addition to san francisco there at oracle park that also was one of my favorites those two are really my two favorites and just one just the location where they're located how they fit in within the fabric of the, the community within the business districts there in both san francisco and, and pittsburgh is something that really resonates with me uh, and that's that's the biggest part when you can put a ballpark in a spot where the community is going to be right there around it. Uh, you know, not, nothing against when I was in Atlanta originally, but there was not a lot really built around it. And uh, and obviously now they've learned from that and have now done a great job. With Truist Park now that's uh, now out slow out outskirts of uh, of Atlanta in terms of the city, but they've done a lot of building, a lot of commercial development, and other retail built around it which makes it a, a really great opportunity. And, and that's where every, that's kind of now the model for most teams. Now they're looking for ways uh, to do that. And that's, we look at what's being currently being put together with the Oakland A's and the work they're trying to do to try to build a stadium uh, out there. They're trying to make sure that's kind of still part of it where the fabric of that community, but also they're going to, they're actually in the midst of trying to make sure that all the land that's right there where the old stadium is presently, how that can also be used and re part of our revitalization of that community. So, you know, just how you can continue to step, step that up is, is, is the biggest thing and how it can be part of the fabric of the community, but also drive business uh, along the way is so important. Awesome. So baseball is obviously, of course, a sport um, filled with many superstitions. So do you have any superstitions that um, you subscribe to? <laughs> yeah, I mean, in terms of just, back in the day when I was playing baseball uh, and I had a chance to, to play baseball through my Legion years and high, through high school and had a chance to play some smaller colleges. But for me, I was always someone that I didn't, I never tried to step on the white lines. I always tried to <laughs> jump over. It was just, I had my thing. Uh, but also even when I was, it was funny, even in my high school football days, uh, I had like a, my own little ritual. And for me, it was always to stop at a seven 11, and I would get get a chili dog, chili cheese dog. That was always like my thing, like my pregame thing. I kind of needed, <laughs> but uh, that for me, that was just something I kind of had my own little pattern for, for that. But uh, but nothing. But other than that, it was just uh, you know, those kind of those couple of things I needed for myself, and that was kind of my way to just stay on on balance for whatever thing I was trying to face at that time. But uh, not, nothing really too much in terms of superstitions now at this at, at this point, but it's just uh, but definitely I think everybody has their own little ritual that they have. And you probably yourself had when you were training as an athlete, everything as well. 
So yeah, same same lot, same song playlist. Uh, only writing in Blue Ink, just two of mine that I still stick to today. Um, who's your favorite player, either current or former? Uh, yeah, I mean, still, I mean, to this day, as, as I tried to mention earlier, I mean, Eddie Murray is still my favorite player of all okay. time, and you know, having a chance to grow up and see him as a kid in Baltimore. Uh, and then also following his career, even after he was traded from the Orioles, you know, when he went to the Dodgers, when he went to the Mets. Uh, funny thing also, in 1995, a year prior to me joining the Braves, the Braves and the Indians played each other in the World Series. Eddie, Eddie was playing for the Indians during that time. So I was fully rooting for the Indians that year in 1995 when Atlanta ended up winning the World Series against them. And then it was funny, then the following year, there I am working for the Braves at that time. So it was just it's pretty funny that with that situation. Um, the funny thing is I've, I've met so many people that I've looked, looked up to as, as, a, as a kid, you know, uh, throughout my whole – and then as a career mm-hmm. now that I've had a chance to interact with them in so many different situations, whether it's, you know, a Dave Winfield or – uh, or just so many different people throughout, you know, Derek Jeter, and that I've had a chance to connect with working in now in the same industry. But the the one player, I, one person I still have not met is Eddie Murray, and and uh, it's it's amazing that it's, it's never happened over the course of you know now being in my 26th year working in baseball. And uh, one a good friend of mine was the PR director with the Orioles, and she actually used to uh, Kristen Hudak is her name, and she actually used to actually alert me whenever he was going to be coming to Baltimore for different <laughs> events, just in case maybe I could make it happen, but I've never had a chance to do it. I know uh, to this day, uh, you know, at some point when it does happen, I literally, I'm going to probably end up crying right in front of him, just sitting there in tears. Uh, I'm, I'm actually on the, the board of directors for, uh, which is Sabre, which is Society for American Baseball Research. And yep. the next physical conference that we have for it will be in Baltimore so they've already kind of already said hey we're going to make sure we make it happen by the you know at that time if it doesn't happen before then so hopefully in uh, by by the summer of 22 I should have a chance to hopefully meet him at that point Uh, but uh, it's just something it's amazing just I had a chance one year maybe around 1998 or 99 that I thought it was a chance to meet him and he was at the time was coaching for the Dodgers and my boss at the time, John Charles was actually trying setting it all up, but then it turned out I had a good old offsite meeting that same day, which ended up screwing it all up. So, but you know, at some point, some point it'll hopefully happen. But uh, uh, I also, I also want to give a, a big shout out to a, a good friend of mine there in the Maryland community, there on the Maryland Athletics, uh, Matt Swope, uh, one of the baseball coaches there at Maryland. He's you know, uh, very actively involved in, in the recruiting side there, and uh, you know he's been uh, somebody has been a great uh, person to, to have to stay in touch with over the years. Um, he, 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 uh, Matt, along with uh, a former alum who played baseball in Maryland, Ken Noe, the two of them helped me kind of engage and get back with a lot of stuff with the baseball program and do some different things. Uh, and then when I was at the Pirates, we actually worked closely with uh, Maryland baseball a few times to actually put like a auction item as an experience at PNC Park in, in Pittsburgh as a great way to have somebody have a chance and then they were able to raise money during the course of it, which was really exceptional. And, uh, but just had to give a shout out to, to Matt Swope and also Ken Noe because uh, the two of them really helped me along with uh, having a chance to get connected with uh, Eric Backage when he was the head coach there with the baseball program as well. So 
it was something that it was great just to be connected with them. And also Bernie Walter, who unfortunately passed away a few, uh, not too long ago. Bernie was the director of baseball operations there in Maryland for a number of years. He was actually a uh, uh, high school coach uh, in Anne Arundel County where I grew up at Arundel High School for many, many years. And actually one of the uh, winningest high school coaches in the whole state of Maryland. Uh, and it was funny having him there at Maryland when he was there during that time and to engage with him as well. Uh, he actually, back in the day when I was in high school, he actually pulled a shift on me back to, you know, now everybody's shifting all over the place. But at that time, he actually put a shift on me when I was playing in high school at that time. And then I, I was a, as a left-handed hitter, he had everybody off toward the, toward the right side, <laughs> the infield and toward their outfield shifting a little bit. And I ended up blooping some ball to the left, to the left field line against him. But, uh, but no, just, just to have a chance to, uh, be connected with some of those different individuals uh, that have been part of the Maryland community and are still there now. Uh, it's been just tremendous. That's awesome. And then last question for you. Um, you're doing a lot to support Maryland athletics and the Maryland community, um, but how can we as Maryland made in the Maryland community best support you? No, definitely. Uh, as far as, you know, you have access to a great group of student athletes uh, that are there within the Maryland community and there within the school. So continue to keep them on my radar. That's the biggest thing. If we can try to help engage them in any way possible to make sure they are aware of different opportunities that do exist, uh, both within baseball and for something else, even external that we can help with that's outside of that. So uh, whatever you can do to kind of keep that connection, that line of connection, that's, that's the biggest thing. And uh, I want to do my part to help. You know, the biggest thing is I want individuals to find something that they're passionate about and then go down that pathway and just be successful at it. And uh, any way that we can do that and help shape that, we'll love to do that. We appreciate that. And I most definitely will um, keep you in the loop and keep you engaged with our programming as well. Um, but with that, Tyrone, again, I want to say thank you for your time. I thank you for your presence, your leadership, um, your, and your representation, honestly. Um, it's amazing what you're doing with Major League Baseball, but honestly, within the sport industry as a whole. And we look forward to continue engaging with you. Uh, not just on our podcast, we definitely need to do a part two, um, but with in-person programming as well as we continue to transition back uh, to the Maryland campus. No, thank you, Tim. Really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely just want individuals to know, hey, the biggest thing is there's a place for you. And you know, we want to make sure you have individuals are aware of the opportunity that do exist within Major League Baseball and having that sense of belonging that, hey, this is where you want to be and we want to be there to help you. Uh, and follow you and help you in this journey along the way. Awesome, Tyrone. So with that, thank y'all again for tuning in to episode five of the Maryland Made Podcast. I look forward to seeing y'all in a couple of weeks for episode six.